Alrighty, folks. Thanks for. Alrighty, folks. Thanks for joining us for another podcast. Alongside me, I got the Ducktator himself, and big shout outs to all of our partners. Um, <laughs> we couldn't do it without them. Um, couldn't do it without you guys as well. Um, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. So big thanks to Boss Shot Shell. I have been running the, the number fours, three inch number fours out of the twenty gauge all this early season um, for the big ducks and geese and the number sixes for teals 20 gauge for everything so far so um been loving them but they're an american made company um and one of the biggest pros to having the boss shot shells is higher density in your shot so you can use a larger shot size and get um or not a larger but a larger number so a smaller shot but higher pattern pattern density so um that's been working out great for me copper coated bismuth american made company been out there a couple times brandon is an awesome guy um and owner of boss shot shells over there so big thanks to those guys another partner we want to tell you about is htr innovations again they are american made they sell an a-frame a layout pad, a gun stand, and what's called a quack pack, which was kind of invented by our buddy old Jordan right here. And um, it is a system where you have a layout blind and a decoy bag all in one. So head on over to HTR Innovations and check out what they've got. Product code DuckGun, that's Duck Space Gun, for 10% off and free shipping. Awesome. Um, Gunner Kennels. Again, great for uh, transporting your uh, best friend, man's best friend, um, your dog, your lab, your your, uh, Chesapeake Bay Retriever, your GSP. It doesn't matter. They got different sizes for all the dogs. Um, Double wall roto-molted, five-star crash test rating, um, and they're just well-known for their superior quality. when I'm on these trips, I have the peace of mind just knowing that Chief's going to be safe. Got him in the back of the truck with the kennel strapped down. All the trips I take, it's really a necessity. Um, you're not, you know, a, a big pro to this is not having the dog in the vehicle with me anymore. Um, you know, making a mess after the hunts. He's wet. He smells like the marsh. And my Jeep, honestly, it stunk. Um, so definitely a big you know saver on that so if you guys want to check out the gunner kennels um our promo code to give you guys a good discount on that is the 10 percent off duck gun one word and then space 10 duck gun space 10 so make sure to check out gunner kennels i don't know if you guys have ever been duck hunting in arkansas but it is an amazing place a guy named brent birch has written a book about waterfowl hunting in Arkansas and perhaps no other place on the planet is as steeped in duck hunting tradition as the Grand Prairie region of Arkansas. To the people there, duck hunting is a way of life, not just a season. From the first rice crop grown in 1904 to the famed green timber, the book contains over 340 pages detailing the people, places, and events that earned the region the title of the duck hunting capital of the world. Spectacular photography accompanies engaging content written to educate readers on how the Grand Prairie came to be and has sustained the reputation for world-class mallard duck hunting. A must-have for the duck camp, the office, or for your off-season duck hunting fix. Fans of freelance duck hunting and the Duck Hunt podcast can get free shipping by using the code FDHFDG19 at checkout for them for the remainders of this month. Awesome. Also, big thanks to Motion Duck 
Um, and we actually had Ben on from, um, he's the, actually the owner over there and owner and creator of the Motion Duck Decoy Spreader System. And um, it was really, really good podcast. You guys haven't listened to it. Um, highly suggest you jump back to that one and give it a listen. But um, Elliot and I have been preaching this for years. Um, Got to have motion in your spread. And this system has taken the industry by storm. Um, it's just way better than a jerk rig system. Um, it's much more than that. Uh, four to seven ducks on there with lifelike motion. Elliot just actually put out a video of it, um, and it really shows the lifelike motion. It's really hard to describe in words, um, but you guys will be very surprised when you see it in video how lifelike they actually look. So it's um, a, a highly mobile system. You can break it down. It's, it's much like uh, tent stakes where you can just pop those apart um and get rolling with it so you can leave all your decoys on there and in minutes just have the whole thing broke down or set back up um definitely awesome um and a great solution for getting motion in your set whether it's for the non-windy days or um working on those late season wary birds um so again we got a promo code for you guys um to help you out if you're looking into buying one of these but it's duck gun all one word all caps and 10 percent off that free shipping and the free anchor bag as well and it doesn't show that the free anchor bag in your checkout but it is sent along with that um so definitely give those guys um uh, a checkout when you guys get a chance as Jordan and I are really proud to announce our partnership with Bandred, Avery, and GHG. GHG is Greenhead Gear. And I'm not sure if you knew this, but all three of those companies are under the same umbrella. In fact, if you go to Bandit.com, you can have access to all the Bandit gear, the Avery gear, and the GHG. GHG. So whether you're needing um, un- undergarments, coats, waders, decoys, blinds, they've got it all. And I'll tell you, um, the quality of their products are certainly top-notch. I'm extremely happy with the products we've been able to get our hands on. So um, when it's time for you to look for some kind of new product in the waterfowling, head on over to Bandit.com and see what they've got. And when you're ordering, make sure to tell them that uh, the old Duck Gun podcast sent you. Awesome. Um, Again, big thanks to all of our partners. But um, we always like to mention this every week, guys. Podcasts would be nothing without you guys and your support. Um, Elliot and I are out there grinding, putting out the content, and we really appreciate you guys and all your support every week. Showing up, listening, giving us the awesome feedback. So big shout out to you guys, the listeners. Um, But yeah, without further ado, let's jump right into the podcast. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. Man, and bluebills. I love redheads. Man, I love redheads. And I got in this uh, conversation with Zach, um, and he's from... He's been hunting in South Carolina for the last while and said that he would rather shoot redheads than mallards. I'm like, man, you're crazy. But he thinks I'm crazy too. So, Yeah, here's the problem with that is that that uh, the thing that makes, that sets mallards apart, a couple things. Number one is their size. And number two, the way they work. The way you call them, the, acro- the acrobats they do in the air. And 
you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. What I've seen of redheads is they're they're low direct flyers who do, and that's just not as fun to shoot as birds that come in and backpedal and hover over the decoys. Yeah, just no, no way that works to the call. And, yeah, yeah, there's just no way that's as fun. And of course, He's, in the Carolinas, you have to say that because you don't know what a mallard even looks like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he hadn't shot one till we shot shot one up there in Michigan. He hadn't shot one in three years. Well, see, that's what guys in the Carolinas say. They get there and they're all bitter because their duck hunting just sucks. And so they're like, I'd rather shoot a redhead than a mallard anyway. <laughs> Man, he's not going to like you after he this. Well, <laughs> he'll take offense. I, I, he may. He seems like a jovial guy. I don't, from what the vid is on the video, he seems jovial. Yeah. But, you know, if if you're going to make a, an outlandish statement like that, you're going to get some darts thrown at you. No. This is what he said. He said that uh, real hunters like redheads better than mallards. And I don't think it's the it's I think it's the trophy aspect that a redhead's kind of somewhat of a trophy bird, kind of like a canvas back. Um, but it's not that he'd want to hunt redheads his whole life. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We cannot mention redhead and canvas back in the same sentence as kind of like. I love redheads. I love. I do very much like redheads. I, I think I've the drakes are gorgeous. I've only seen and. I'm going to get crap for saying this, but I, it's it's hard to tell redheads and canvasbacks apart in flight. <laughs> At this point in your life? <laughs> well, I don't see them. I don't hunt, like, it's, I don't hunt anywhere to see them. It's just a them. totally different body type. And I, it's just a totally different body type. I've seen, I've seen two in my life. And I don't know which one. Actually, the first one I saw was a canvasback. <clears throat> um, the second one I saw flew by me and just kept on going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't get shot at it, but that's the only ones I've ever seen. And I don't know if it was a redhead or canvas back that second yeah. one. Well, I'm no expert so. on the identification either of them either. Yeah. I, I don't shoot that many redheads. I don't see that many. I know there were some around this weekend. All right. Well, I guess let's go ahead and roll into the podcast. So um, I'm going to go ahead and roll into the intro. Well, what's going on, folks? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host, Gray, the grayest of the beards, alongside me tonight. How you doing, Elliot? <laughs> I'm I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, you guys. The last time we were hanging out, you guys were trying to come up with a nickname, and Aiden's been calling me Grumple Stiltskin quite a bit. <laughs> I don't, did you were you there when he started saying that Grumple Stiltskin? Yeah, yeah. He's been using that. <laughs> Corn was calling me the ductator instead of dictator. He was calling me the ductator. <laughs> Sometimes That's I get a, a little serious too. and start. I wouldn't say I bark out orders, but because I don't. Yeah. But you know, sometimes my nice. demeanor is a little more intense than the corn, ductator. So sure. I like that. <laughs> the ductator. <laughs> <laughs> and then we could just call you tater for short. <laughs> tater. <laughs> As many as many nicknames as I've doled out to people in my life, I'd be all right with a nickname. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been just sticking with Graybeard. Sorry, That's I'm not fine. as creative. I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind. <laughs> Gray Chaps is my recent favorite, though. <laughs> I was like the grayest of the grays. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so speaking of um, speaking of quick stories, this goes into my teaching. Yeah, life. go ahead. Uh, but this is kind of funny. Um, so, if those of you who don't know, I'm uh, by day an elementary school teacher, and so um, I <laughs> ate like half. <laughs> what are you giggling about? 
Because you say just the way you said it, it's like by day, a teacher; <laughs> by night, a, a duck hunting YouTuber. There you go. Like, there you go. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's, that's exactly what I say. So, um, speaking of the gray beard, I <clears throat> I ate half this cookie today. This like frosting one, and this little girl in my class wanted the other half, and and I tore <laughs> I tore a piece off. So, because I wasn't giving her stuff that was in my mouth, and she's like. Oh, what's this? I've got Mr. Snyder's beard in my cookie. (laughs) (laughs) She held it up and I looked at it. It wasn't a gray one. It was like half gray, half brown. I'm like, "Uh, yep, that sure is. But she's got my beard in her cookie. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure she didn't didn't find it near as funny when she was chewing down on a hair. <laughs> She's good hearted. She's a good hearted. So, so here's a question for you, kinda kinda off topic but online with what you're saying. So have you ever got food uh, and there's a hair in it wherever you're eating? Yeah. So mm-hmm. do you pull like let's say I mean there's two options. Like a sit down restaurant, if there's a hair in it, you can tell them and then probably get new food, right? Almost mm-hmm. definitely. So do you do that or you just pull it out and eat it? Or <laughs> I don't pull it out and eat it. <laughs> you just push it to the side and yeah. say, I'm done. I'm not eating at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I am not a complainer when it comes to restaurants. The whole interaction of like, you know, I just can't stand um, complaining about stuff. So it's got to be really, really bad for me to complain. I mean, if it's just the nastiest of hairs like it looks like a pubic hair or something i might but or typically if my wife's there i'll just have her complain because she she's not having any hairs and oh man she would ship that back immediately so you so you just not eat it if no, there's a hair in yours i wouldn't eat the hair i'm gonna eat the food i just no, no so you, that's what i mean you'd pull the hair yeah. out and you'd still eat the food so yeah. it's like a bowl of soup you pull the hair out and keep eating the soup yep mm. <laughs> okay all right I guess probably let's go ahead and talk about the main topic for tonight. So we're going to go ahead and go through our hunt updates for the week. Elliot was out for the central opener of Kansas, um, two hunts there. And I went actually to the southern zone of Michigan, continuing my chasing the opener tour in my local area um, or somewhat local. But yeah, so. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's go every other hunt, you think? Sure. Yep. Yep. A question about you and chasing the openers. So at this point last year, how many hunts did you have? Had you basically not hunted? No. I mean, I'd hunted, um, I think I hunted once for early goose and two hunts for teal in Indiana and two hunts for teal in Kentucky. So I was at five hunts this time last year and you have 10 how many hunts do you have now 10 yep i got 10 okay so you've doubled your hunt outtake then okay that's yeah, great. yeah and that's cool. yeah i mean i've had what if i had two skunks yeah i've had two skunks and last year this time well i had two skunks but all the hunts were just uh i had one good hunt the teal hunt um in Kentucky, the opener shot five, but then I got skunked the next day. And then Indiana, I shot, I think, three, and then I got skunked the next day. And then the early goose one, it was four four men hunt, and we shot uh, three geese off of one volley. So um, mm-hmm. it's been pretty mediocre hunting to this point. And this year I've had um, just 
I mean, that's night and day difference where I've had just a ton of action, a lot of fun. So, um, do you have all of your hunts, um, updated in the freelance hunt stats? Uh, yeah. You're showing nine hunts. Well, it's lying. I don't know. It's, um, I'll go on there and correct it, but maybe I just put the wrong day on one. Nine hunts, 28 birds. Yeah, you're missing the last one. It's on there. Um, why is it not showing then? I probably have it filtered. The date's wrong or something. If you probably hunted on the first and I've got the dates filtered or by one day wrong or something like that. Probably. Yeah, yeah. No. no, the first was a skunk. But I got 10 hunts and 30 birds. 10 for 30. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good start. I'm at eight hunts, 20. So I definitely... I doubled my bird take this last weekend. Yeah. So no, that's a, a good get uptick for you on the mm-hmm. birds, for sure. And those of you that are listening, we like we do like stats, we do like numbers, but that is by very much secondary to the experience of the hunt. So just because we like talking about numbers, please don't think that we're um, just pushing this line of always having to have limits or numbers, numbers, numbers. We, we, we think that adding statistics and watching our numbers add enjoyment. But certainly the experience is what it's all about. Yep, definitely agree on that. So it's definitely, yeah, I like to see it kind of as a bar because, I mean, one thing we're always doing is waterfowling. It is it is the experience, but we're always trying to improve. And, um, I mean, I think that's part of it, being successful when you hunt um, is part of it. And, you know, every little thing we try to do, whether it's adding motion to our set or um the type of shot selection we have is to be a better hunter so um and that's all part of the hunting experience as well and seeing the numbers is a good bar and indicator of if you're kind of improving and all that kind of stuff so for sure i like to look at it for that for that as well but um yeah do you want to let's go ahead and let's talk about your first hunt first okay so kansas central opener take it away Yep, so we've got multiple zones in our state. So this is the early zone opener, um, and I've got two weeks until it's opener. So I still have to travel um, about three, three and a half hours back to where we're hunting. So we did most of our teal hunting in that area as well, where I grew up. So we had along with us a guy named Joel Strickland. I don't know if you guys have, have heard of him before. He is the creator of um, Surviving Duck Season YouTube channel. He also had extremely successful... Um, show on the outdoor network right when they were launching called adventure bound outdoors um, so he's got a long past of um, video production he is a guide for a place down in arkansas just really really interesting guy so he came along um, on the trip with us and he's actually going to make some kind of documentary just kind of showing a youtuber's life so he did a lot of behind the scenes stuff and and it was just really really interesting to have him along. So we went down, we left Thursday night and got got into camp at about 12. And this cold, pretty good cold front had hit. When we got there, it was like 35 degrees and wind blowing. So it was colder than anything that we had, that I had felt for a long time. Got this big tent set up and just went immediately to bed. And then all day Friday, Joel, my dad, Carl or Fumbles, whatever, whatever nickname you want to call him, um, we scouted the entire day and my dad had scouted on Thursday and he had seen some birds, but from Thursday night to Friday, the birds had just really come in in force. So every, about every spot that we scouted on, um, Friday, we were seeing birds. 
I mean, it was just, it was the point where we had to really think about where we were going to hunt because every place we went had tons of birds. And so the decision of where we were going to hunt actually came down to not what, where the best, most birds were, but where do we think that we could get to protect ourselves from other hunters intruding on what we're doing? And I don't mean necessarily being too close to us, but I mean, it's opening day and um, sometimes on opening day, there's so much gunfire going off that you just can't, it's all pass shooting. <coughs> and we had been seeing mostly gadwalls, tons of pintails, widgeon, mallards. I mean, we saw way more big ducks on Friday than we had seen teal. So we were really, really excited. Um, but like I said, we were just going over and over, like, which spot are we going to hunt? In fact, I, in the video, did you vote, Jordan, on that, um, in the video, the vote I put up, spot one or spot two? I didn't vote, actually. It's, it's, it's hard to have a say when you don't have all of the information <laughs> as to what it looked like. I mean, both I liked, places. I like spot two. Yeah. Spot two is the same place we hunted on the opener. Um, in fact, um, the teal opener, you remember that little kind of cove on the west side that all the teal were kind of going down into? Can I say the name? Not of the location, no. <laughs> I'm <just kidding laughs> <It> may not. <laughs> but that's exactly where they were going down. Um, same yep. place. Um, but where we, we decided to go with this other spot because it was on this creek, and the creek is, creek is really winding. We never had a lot of people down in that area. And we really thought if we set up in this one place, we would be protected um, from other hunters. And on that creek, if someone had been in our spot, there's literally literally unlimited number of, of locations to hunt in there. But later on that day, on that Friday, um, my buddy Corn came along and he was there. It was his first time with us of the year. And then Aiden showed up. So we had we had five of us. And man, I've, I've hunted more four plus number groups this year than my entire life but we had five so um we decided to hunt on this creek and normally there's just not many hunters in there and we really thought we could get in there and get protected and and be able to have a good shoot um but the problem that we ran into well I'm, I'm, i need to back up a little bit more so we got up we it, we was only one truck in in our parking lot we put our layout kayaks on the creek and paddled up there got there we got the spot we wanted exactly um jeff made us this amazing breakfast in the morning um hash browns and sausage and steak and that's what i love, love about jeff i mean he's always cooking stuff um but the actual hunt it, it was so interesting because hunting is all about perspective so the last weekend of teal season we shot 12 teal on a hunt and it was just what so satisfying it was such a fun day. Things had been so bad, and we I thought we might get skunked, and we shot 12, and we were just so happy. On this day, we ended up shooting 10, all green wing teal, but we really felt like a little bit deflated, all based on what we had seen. I mean, we sat and watched flock, big flock after big flock after big flock of yeah, mostly gadwalls, but pintails just coming down into this spot like crazy. Once the sun, once the sun came up, there was green wing teal buzzing around like you know when there's so many birds moving around you can't even you don't even know what to look at it's just like every which way right and five were diving in the decoys and then another six were diving in the decoys while two other groups were going over your head i mean it was crazy the biggest problem we had 
is number one, we weren't sure we wanted to shoot teal because we had seen so many big ducks. But number two is we we set ourselves up kind of looking a little too much into the sun. <clears throat> we miscalculated. We didn't use a, a, a compass. And we were looking right into about a five-foot-tall bank. So these teal would come and drop down in, and we couldn't see them. So there were so many shots we just couldn't pull the trigger on because we couldn't see the birds. And had we been in a different the, – for the first 30, 45 minutes, it was pretty much constant teal flying – but we just couldn't see them. We could only shoot them if they were kind of in this section that was a uh, uh, silhouetted. And and so after that first 30, 45 minutes, we had about eight birds. But if if we could have seen them, if there had been, you know, it hadn't been the bank there, we could, I mean, I don't know how many we could have shot. It was just constant. But So that really caused a problem. And um, we saw a few big ducks in the morning, but there was so much shooting going on. I mean, I talked to the... Um, biologist out there and he said on this little section in this creek there was more people that hunted in this creek that day than there had in the previous four openers combined i mean everyone had i guess seen the same scout and just sucked down into the spot now they, they weren't like right on top of us like no one was unethically close it's just there were so many people in the area if you ever did see a big duck that thought they might want to work you couldn't go 15 seconds without gunfire going off so it, it was just impossible to, to have any chance to decoy big ducks. And the big ducks were just gone relatively soon. So we did only end up with 10 green wings. And it, we did feel kind of disappointed just because our expectations after the scout were so high. Um, but, you know, we had fun. And it was only three shooters at a time. Joel didn't even pick up his gun. He was just filming. And my dad and Corn switched out. And they each shot one. So I shot four. Aiden shot four. And my dad and Corn each shot one. So we ended up with ten green wings, and, and but we left with a with not a lot of satisfaction. We just felt like we had this amazing hunt right in front of us, and it just kind of fell through. But you know, ten birds is not it's certainly not bad. And if there is a couple of us there, we would have had our ended up. I'm sure we'd have shot our limit. We'd have been feeling good, but you know, it just wasn't that satisfying of a hunt. So that kind of wrapped up day one, and then the rest of the day we just rescouted and camped and hung out and and uh, had a phenomenal time on that saturday so do you do you wish at all that you kind of picked a different spot or you're kind of happy yeah. with uh yeah you, think you would have done better with a different spot yes turns out no one hunted that west bank of that pool my concern of here here's why that i wanted that i decided to make the decision um of where we as moved. the ductator as the ductator we were on that west side and i don't know if you remember but we went and rescouted that pool midday on the teal opener and we saw a couple of guys sitting on buckets clear out in the middle of the pool were you on were you with me when we we scouted that and saw those guys you remember what i saw Uh well they were sitting on buckets right out in the middle of the pool in the open and my thought was from where we were opening day if a couple guys go out there and we're going to sit out in buckets on there it would just absolutely kill us screw us over for shooting big ducks because then they would they would have been about 150 yards away, completely unconcealed, and those guys typically shoot really far shots, and we didn't have a backup plan B. Whereas the creek we went into, I didn't anticipate that number of people being in there based on historically where where people have set up in the mornings. And there's every point this this creek just winds like a snake, and every point you get smartweed. So it's like literally, if we had gone in there and spot A would have been taken, we had like A through F. We, I mean, it was like the spots were unlimited. So that that's why 
I was kind of leaning towards that decision. But in hindsight, we would have done much better, I think, in the other in the in the other spot. Mm. Yeah. No, it's always tough to call too, and and so what you just think the big ducks as well? They just kind of skip town because uh, yeah. all the shooting, or were they kind of going somewhere else to low for going out to fields to feed just without kind of having the normal vegetation you guys have in the marsh? Or do you have any kind of thoughts on that? Well, the manager out there, which I think you met him, I think you met Matt, you probably did out there. Um, he's kind of the kind of in charge out there, and he said they sat and watched just streams of big ducks come out of that area and onto like there's there's big pools out there that don't have any vegetation in. and they watch them just come in a line out there and land as soon as all that shooting started going they just split it was just and left and then we would see a few later on i guess that around one or two they started kind of working around a little bit more um but yeah there was just so much pressure condensed in there they were just like yeah no thanks i'm out what time and did little, you quit or um, I think we, I think we went till almost noon. <clears throat> we and Is we that shot typical our typical for your openers or. Uh, normally we well normally there's only two or three of us and we normally have our open our, our limit, um, pretty early, and okay. it's it's normally all teal. There was a lot more big ducks around just from that massive cold front that came through Colorado and Montana and mm-hmm. into the Dakotas. So I've never seen that many big ducks on the opener but we normally have a quick limit of teal with maybe a couple of big ducks mixed in by you know nine or ten and we switched spots uh, mid hunt as well to go try this other place it was a little bit we boated to it was a little farther away from where the rest of the guys were but uh, it just it just didn't happen we stayed probably two hours longer than we needed to we didn't shoot anything in the last two and a half hours cool well you know, still, you know, getting 10 birds is definitely uh, a decent hunt. So Yeah, it's just all it's all expectations in perspective, really, you know, is what it comes down to. Yeah. All right, well, um, my hunt this week, the Michigan Southern Opener um, was my next stop. So I actually got invited out there by Kevin. Um, I actually went out there goose hunting with him earlier this year. So I went out with him. Um, we went out on a, a pretty marshy lake, um, muck bottom, bogs, all kinds of cra- craziness with that. So, uh, definitely something I've never done before. Um, but you know, it was, uh, I mean, there was plenty of birds working. There's lots of wood ducks in there. And, um, honestly, we didn't see a ton of big ducks as far as like mallards and, uh, anything else. Um, it was mostly just wood ducks and geese. Um, we did have a, a couple mallards buzz in there, and um, we just didn't get the shots on them. So it was kind of it was definitely a weird, different kind of setup than I've ever done. Um, and I, I know from previous podcasts that you don't have any experience on the bogs, and I really hadn't either. But we hunted on a bog, so we pulled up a we pulled up the canoes actually onto the bogs, so that the it kind of like distributes your weight across the bog <laughs> so you can be in a canoe and the bog is fine like you're not going to push the canoe through the bog and it's pretty steady like you literally could stand in the canoe on the bog and shoot um but if you were to stand on it like i would stand behind the canoe and i just push the whole bog down and i could feel like a hole i made with my foot and if i made two holes that my whole body could i could have just slipped right through it and, <laughs> and kept going you know oh man so, that's scary um 
<laughs> yeah, it is. It's scary and um, it's hard to move or do anything, but like I can see why it, it's, I mean, if you don't have any other options or it's just kind of the most ready, readily available option, pull the canoe up and hunt on the bog. Um, you know, you could do other things kind of like your kayak setup where you just pull up next to one and lay out. Um, I think that'd be a really nice way to do it. Or um, this place actually had a bunch of blinds that were built in the past, Mm -hmm. but they're all tipped over because they were built on bogs and then part of them gave away. So (laughs) they're like ancient blinds. And I didn't even know there's like five or six across this lake that I saw. And every single one of them was tipped sideways and sunk. We actually hunted right in front of an old blind that was um, sunk into it and the top was gone. So (laughs) it's kind of cool. It makes you wonder like, you know, about the past and the history of the place. But, um, but yeah, so um, we did, so we ended up, I'll just kind of cut to the, the end of it and then talk about some of the issues and things that I learned from hunting it. But um, we did end up shooting shooting some geese, um, three geese, two wood ducks, and a mallard. Um, that's what we got for the day. But uh, yeah, we, we definitely had some issues. So one of the issues was being able to retrieve birds. So when we didn't kill them dead from that spot, um, it was like a huge hassle. So first thing it was like, first first attempt was to send chief and so i tried to send him on a line and you know normally on a line you can send him through the land um a little ways and they'll follow the line get to the edge of the water and stay on that line but on the bog like he couldn't go in a straight line because there's vegetation like growing up everywhere and then it'd be water but then he'd like partially walk and then like to get to the edge and then eventually like by the time he gets to the edge he's like turned like 30 to 45 degrees off of the line i sent him and so then he would never see the bird and they're like slinking away in the water, barely swimming. I don't know if you've ever seen ducks or geese do that where they almost hide. Mm-hmm. They're literally flat in the water and he's, you know, two inches, his eyes are two inches off the water so he could never see him. And, um, I was having a hard time getting him to listen to the hand signals out there. I tried to give him, you know, the overhand signal while he's out in the water. And honestly, we didn't get that far in the training. And so I was kicking my butt that I didn't get that far, but I mean, we pressed hard all off season working through stuff. I just ran out of time. Um, so I really can't blame him on that, but, um, yeah, so it, it was, it was still that, I guess that was the first issue we ran into. And then the other thing was I'd send him through these bogs and I'd send him across the bog and he'd get to the edge of the bog and not want to get in the water. He'd be like searching around on the bog and it was to get him like to continue on past that. And I've never ran into that issue. Um, whenever I've had an issue like that, usually it's, you know, to fix that problem, you simplify it, you get closer and then you send them on the line again and kind of work from there. Right. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't physically get over there cause I couldn't walk through the bog. Like I would just fall through. Um, so I couldn't get over to him to get to the edge to send them. So, um, I guess that was that was a little bit frustrating for me but again it just goes to the training i need to get past that um next off season i'm just not gonna have time during the season with everything i do to continue training beyond just like what we'd get done in the hunts so um that was one thing and then the other thing is so if we had birds that i couldn't send them on to to get off of the bog like literally had to pack everything up i had like brush um like leaned up against the canoe to kind of give it cover and all that kind of stuff you literally had to like clear all that away 
get in the canoe, have someone drag me off and push me over the edge of the bog to start paddling in the canoe. So that took time. Um, so we had one bird in particular where Chief literally, I mean, he chased it hundreds of yards. It was a goose. And his goose was just swimming. Um, and you know how geese, they'll just like stay just in front of them. So it must have been winged or something, but it could just swim. So it just swam right in front of him. And he literally swam all the way to the other side of the lake, hundreds of yards. By the time I could get the boat in there and paddle after him, um, he was on the other side of the lake and around another bog. And um, I got Chief back in the canoe and we kept searching for it. Um, but he could never find it. He never could get back on the trail. Uh, but yeah, so there was a little bit of frustration with that because hunting on the bogs it just took so much time to get off if you didn't kill them dead that uh we left we lost some birds that way so if i had more control over chief as far as hand signals could have retrieved those um because they're just barely swimming like barely slinking away and i just couldn't get them on time and then also having the issue of getting back in the canoe and being able to get out of there um in a quick enough speed so it's kind of like things to think about and the, I guess the last thing I had from that is um hunting on those bogs too we had two canoes and um kind of the cover from early spring had all dwindled away the leaves had fallen off the branches and stuff and so it was not near as good of cover um, we definitely would have had more birds working in if we had some better cover so honestly there's just like a lot of things to learn from this hunt um I mean, we still, I don't want to like take away from it. Like that's a good hunt, a uh, decent kind of, I mean, I'd say it's an average hunt, right? Not bad. We didn't get skunked. We did, we had tons of birds working, so that's always fun. Um, and then we did have birds work in too, but it's like, um, when you have that number of birds, I'm always trying to think of like, oh, what could have I done better or what could have I done different from that? And the hunting on the bog was difficult. I think that's, I mean, if that's your only option, that's something that I'd have to get better at. Um, and then the other thing is having Chief in the canoe with me, he just brought in a ton of water, getting in and out of it. And so all my gear got soaked from that. So, you know, somebody on the video in the comments actually made a really good point. They're like, hey, if you're going to hunt out of a boat like that, you got to have a waterproof bag to keep everything in. And I, I definitely agree on that because, yeah. Yeah. That's why, you know, with all our kayaks and layout boats and stuff, it's uh a waterproof backpack is essential. You just have to have it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. One more question. I got one more question about the bogs. Um, so yeah, go uh, how when you get off of the bog, how deep is it, the water there? I mean, deep enough that I, uh, I don't know where the bottom is at. And when you can fill the bottom around the bog, um, you just push and it keeps going. The bottom keeps going? Yeah, like it's like muck. Like if you put like a mojo stake in there, it would just keep mm -hmm. going and never hold. Okay, so there's no walking around when you get in a situation like that. There's oh, no, no, no. Walking. It's over yeah, your you head. can't walk on the bog. You can't walk around the bog. Nothing. That sounds terrible. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> it, awful. It, it, was, it was really hard to hunt that way. It's just you got to get in the canoe and stay in it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a place like the way the way i at the end of the day that i had to think about it is like if that's where you have to be to get on the birds that's where you have to be and you got to figure out how to hunt it so it might not so, be as nice as hunting out of a permanent blind on the edge of shore but if that's where the birds are and part of the reason that there uh, there were other places you could set up because i went around when i was looking for the geese and i found a place where there's this little island you could set up 
uh, and, and ducks worked over there, but they're trying to get the mixed bag of ducks and geese. And so you had ducks work where we were at, but you also had geese and the geese wouldn't get over into the lily pads and the shallow stuff. So if you want to hunt both, you had to be on the bog. Hmm. Do you have your blind attachment on your uh, old town? Um, I didn't for that. Yeah, that's the problem when you have a setup like that is then when you have other, because I think it's, it sounds like to me that'd be the way to hunt it would just be get up tucked into a bog in your and lay out essentially. And so you, if you need to retrieve something, you know, whatever, you can just start paddling and that would also take care of your concealment issues as well. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, I mean, that is. I think that 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 is an option. It's a more expensive option because you got to have a kayak for everybody. Mm-hmm. So there's eight hundred, nine hundred dollars and attachments. So you're talking about a thousand dollars per person, and all you yeah. need for a bog is uh, a two hundred dollar canoe, and you can pull it right up on there. So you're you're talking the difference between having three people at two hundred dollars. Well, how big is your old thousand? How how big is your old canoe? I mean, it's, I think it's fourteen foot. Okay, here's an, here's a way you could would be the best way to do it is you get those, um, and this is how we do it for our guests. You have um, grass mats, and I don't know who sells them, but they're not that expensive. They like they roll up. Um, they're they're not near as natural looking as raffia. So we we've got our extra layouts. I, I've always tried to keep two for a friend, um, and you can find just cheap second ones. Like right now, actually, we actually have five in our possession, but. Um, you can find cheap ones and you get a cheap one and you just get those roll up grass mats and you have it available. I mean, I've heard multiple hunts out in this situation where it's like, well, we're not concealed. We're not concealed. And I think it, that it, if you, if there's only two people, I think you could take care of it with, with grass mats and your 14 foot canoe even. Um, yep. I think you could do it. Yeah. Now I think it would have been easier with one canoe, but we had two canoes out there. And so it's just, there's definitely birds flaring off of, not having enough cover and they'd hunted out there in early season goose and all the vegetation was still there. Um, but by this time of the year, it was all dying hmm. and falling off. The leaves were falling off, all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to sound like everything's negative, negative. I'm just trying to say like, Hey, this is what, um, I took away from me, like trying to get better as a hunter all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, cause it was still, it was still a fun hunt. Um, and still had a great time, but, yeah, just just what you could have improved worries. on, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That so. sounds fun. I like the video. And guys, both of these hunts we just talked about are on our YouTube channels, Freelance Duck Hunting and Duck Gun Chronicles. So go check those out. And don't forget to come over to the Facebook and join us at Fellowship of the Duck Guns as well. Yeah. And one more word. I want to give my channel an extra plug. But, you know, make sure make sure to check out Elliot's as well. But um, right now, I'm having a little bit of contest with Matt from Hyper Sportsman. I probably shouldn't even say his channel name. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Go unsubscribe to him right now. No, 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 no. no. I don't want to be a jerk about it. But we're having a race to 10,000. And um, we're both a long ways off. But I really want to beat him. So... If you guys want to do me a solid, hit that sub button over there. I'd really appreciate it because we got lots of hunts. We're putting out hunts two or three times a week, so you guys don't want to miss them. But, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and jump to day two of your hunt. All right, so day two for us normally um, is not as good as day one. The birds in this area, get there's still some around, but just most of them get pushed out from the other hunters. So 
Um, we rescouted several times that day, and we just really didn't have anything that looked really exciting. Um, just wasn't sure what we were going to do. Nothing looked thrilling. But there was this one area that I'd been meaning to scout all through TLCs and, and through now, which is actually only like a half mile walk from, from, I guess I'm not going to tell you exactly where it is. <laughs> stop. <laughs> stop. I almost gave it away. <laughs> but right at the end of the day, like sunset, I decided I was going to scout this little, little spot and I drove by it, put the binoculars on it and I saw a few little ducks in there. I thought, well, you know, that's, there's some in there. I'm going to. Why don't I just walk as close to I can as it uh, to it and, and get get a better look? So I walked in on it, and man, by this time it was getting really hard. I mean, it was like the sun was down. And so the closer I got to it, I'm like, oh, there's some more, there's some more, there's some more. I put the binoculars on it. I could I looked back in the weeds, and I could just see little teal back in there crawling around like crazy, feeding and hiding and stuff. But I want I thought they were teal. I wanted to make absolutely certain they weren't coot because if I was going to change our plans to come to this spot, <laughs> I want to make sure there wasn't a thousand coots in there. You know, so I man, I strained and looked and strained and looked and finally I started hearing some teal quacking and I saw a couple take off. I was like, "All right, sweet, there's teal in here." And there was a bunch in here. And this place, I love to hunt this spot. It's a beautiful little spot. So I went back. I was all excited and everything. We got these birds located. <clears throat> so, and I talked to the manager and I was like, "Do you think anyone hunted that spot?" I'm like, nope, we know no one hunted that spot opening day, <laughs> which is a testament to our location. If great viable spots are not even getting hunted on opening day, in fact, if we had hunted that opening day, I guarantee you we would have done way better, and and we would have been off by ourselves anyway. So um, the next morning it was we we had to do another kayak paddle to get into this place. So we paddled into it. Um, there was actually like this mound out there, which I don't love hunting on mounds, but um, this had great cover. I knew it was teal, so I'm like, all right, let's, let's do it, let's do it. And so from sun up till about nine o'clock, man, we just had a great shoot. We didn't shoot our limit. We shot 13 teal, some blue, some green wings, and we had a really nice pass of three wood ducks come in. And Jeff shot a double on him, shot his first um, Drake wood duck and I shot a Drake wood duck which I hadn't shot one last year so it was just such an enjoyable hunt there was only one group even near us and when I say near us we could kind of see the ducks they were shooting at but there was just two of them and two guys and it didn't bother us at all we were comfortable it, it was a beautiful cool crisp morning I mean it was just it was funny because we shot 10 the day before and felt disappointed. Um, we shot 16 this day, which is six more, but not a substantial number more. But the, the feeling contrast, um, and I, I did that video a few weeks ago called Chasing That Feeling. It's the feeling all of us chase when, the, when it's like that emotional, peaceful satisfaction comes over you. It was definitely there. It was just a remarkably fun peaceful hunt with teal just right down in there. I mean every single shot we took they were either landing trying to land or getting up from landing we had that beautiful pass of wood ducks that was my first big duck of the year um, Joel actually put the camera down he took one shot killed killed one bird so he could say he killed a bird in Kansas and I mean <laughs> there's not a lot to say about about this hunt other than just it was just so much fun and I will say we're hunting without dogs, so Candy 
cracked a bone in her foot. Izzy's too old and has arthritis and Georgie's too young. And I can say now after seven straight hunts without a dog, I am so tired of hunting without a dog. It's just not as fun, man. It's just, you got to go retrieve them yourself and you don't have the camaraderie of a dog. You don't get to watch them. I just, and it is so much more fun to have your own dog there with you hunting ducks. It's just, it hit me on that hunt. Cause it's like you get birds down and you're like, should we go get them now? You wait, you get three birds out there then you go out there and birds are flying over your head or whatever. It's just annoying. I really yep. can't wait to get some dogs back in the group, man. Yeah. Now I'd say, uh, with chief in these, these last hunts, um, that I definitely would have shot a lot less birds just for those reasons. You know, a lot of these places you have to get out really tough areas to walk. Um, so this season, you know, he's been a huge help, um, for all those reasons. So I can definitely feel your pain on that. Um, but yeah, one thing I want to say about your hunt is I definitely think it's pretty unique that you shot a wood duck. Cause I was trying to think of any other time that I can remember on your videos that you have shot a wood duck. Have you shot one since you started your channel? <laughs> yeah. Season two, season two. Um, How many you shoot? One. I shot a, a lone drake that came in. That's it. I'd have to look at my numbers. That's the only one I remember shooting in the last five years. That's Which crazy. is odd because we actually have quite a few wood duck. Yeah, uh, there's teal seasons when we see a bunch of them. They just seem to leave quickly on my. Well, so, they, I think they they also sit in different areas than mallards traditionally do. It seems like so if you're going to like yeah. set up on a mallard hole. Because I have places where I can go and I can only see wood ducks. I don't see anything else. And I go places that I see mallards and I don't see any wood ducks. And there's, there's some places where there's both. But it looks like the, a lot of the places you hunt are big prairie mm -hmm. areas. And if you don't have trees around, especially in the early season, um, you're hunting these big prairie places, it seems like. Um, if you don't have any trees around, where are the wood ducks going to be? Yeah, it's true. I do. I, I do know a creek in that area that I, that is good wood duck. So we, I just never go for them because it would just be, um, just wood ducks only. And and our side of the state has a lot more trees. We have a lot more wood ducks, but they tend to get out pretty quickly. Now for our opener, we're actually hoping. I'm hoping here's what happens for our opener in two weeks. <clears throat> so corn has this pond, and it holds geese, and it probably holds resident geese. We don't have any geese down here that have migrated, but we do have local populations. And on that same property, there's a little creek that has a bunch of trees that we know wood ducks hang out in. So we're hoping if things work out perfectly, right at sunup, we can hit the creek for the wood ducks. And then after about an hour, we can bounce over to the pond and catch the geese coming in. Because um, for an opener, openers around here, because I live fairly close to Kansas City, I just can't stand them. They're just a zoo. So if we could do something like that, where we could pop a couple wood ducks and then go in and pop a couple geese for the opener... That would that would be great. That would be super fun because I I do want to shoot a few more wood ducks. Uh, but these wood ducks decoyed just perfectly. We've got good video footage of it. And hopefully I'll have that out by Friday. But I mean they came in just perfect, all three of them. So it, it was it was fun to shoot them. Nice. Yeah, sounds like uh you know definitely a solid hunt there. So it was it was about definitely that. for a second day it was a great hunt. Awesome. All right. Well, one thing, actually, one thing I want to talk about before we jump to my last hunt um, for the update, but 
um, kind of along those lines of chasing the feeling and all that kind of stuff. So I've having a little bit of, I, I don't want to call it necessarily a debate because it has been somewhat of a, de- a debate, but more of a conversation with two of my buddies and at separate times. So, you know, I talked to one of them, then he talked to the other one, then I talked to him about what he said. And um, so anyways, the thing that I was kind of stating, so um, it's kind of a throwback. It's not to this week's hunts, but the previous week, you know, going out in public land in Michigan um, and just to kind of put this in perspective, a lot of the guys that I hunt with around here in Indiana, um, private land, you know, they got a lot of private land. Um, that's kind of the game around here with just all the agriculture. Um, it's more of a private land game. I mean, there is public land places to hunt, but we're one of the worst states. And I'm not just saying this, like by the numbers, as far as like public access, um, for public land, Indiana does not have a lot of opportunity. So just kind of all throwing that out there. Um, and so I've, you know, been able to travel and hunt with you, Elia, on public land and doing my own thing here on public land, the little public land I can get onto, and then going up to Michigan. And then so, you know, shooting that limit up there in Michigan on public land, having to fight for it and kind of get getting in there. And I was saying, my, my thing was I was saying, I'm like, I'd rather have to work for it and not, not the, I don't want to say it in a way that people on private land don't have to work for it, but when you have so much more into the hunt, like where you're doing the scouting, the, the labor, you're, you're, you're setting it up, you're getting to a spot, you're making the adjustments, all that. It's so much more fulfilling to have a good hunt. Um, than when somebody says, all right, we're hunting here, show up at six. So <laughs> It's and, and in the hunt, it's great. You know, you have the birds working in. You still have all those kind of visuals. Um, but my my thing I was saying is that uh, it's just more fulfilling. It's more meaningful to me when I feel like I contributed to it in a way um, where I, don't, I, I guess I don't want to alienate anybody by saying that. But public land, there's just more of a struggle. And when you get it done there, um, I think there's something to say about it. Yeah, um, Joel Strickland and I talked about this very topic at length uh, because he is he has not hunted public in twenty years. Um, this was his first time on public in a long time, and he was telling me about the public in Arkansas, and it sounds just like a nightmare. <clears throat> and I <laughs> here here's where I came out on it. I would love to have um, some private land, a lease of some form that I could go to when I wanted to take it easy. But the majority of my hunting would still probably be on public land um, because, um, I'm trying to say this right the right way. Um, I feel like, and my, and I don't have a lot of pub, private land um, experience. So I, I'm before I say this, I understand I don't, I, I'm, I'm making an assumption here. My assumption is that I, I, don't think that you can reach as vastly high of an emotional high on private as you can on public because there's so much more of a struggle and you have to work so hard and you have got to beat the guy there and you've got to you know scout all this all this public stuff and and there's so many frustrations about it you can never have your ultimate high with having your ultimate low and I guarantee you on on private you're not going to get have as bad of lows as you have on public and yeah, so when you have to when you have to suffer through these lows it makes the highs that much more intense 
Um, yep. and, and, and I think even it was John Lewis had said something about, you know, when you are able to limit out on public, it is and consistently limit out on public. It says a lot about you. It says a lot about your drive. It says a lot about your struggle. And again, I would love to have some private land. I love having Corn's Pond because we go, we drive right in, we get out. It's easy. It's I can. It's relaxing. I love having it there. But I would, especially those people that hunt like now, if they're freelancers on private, up like up in Canada, I think that's a totally different thing. Because when you're going from field to field, but I, I'm I'm talking about like if I could have a lease with one blind, or something like that, you know. Um, I yep. think I don't think it would hold my interest like public. Yeah, but yeah, the thing is, when you start getting that lease, it's a lot easier to want to take it easier. Like, ah, should I get up super early and get to the launch first, or mm-hmm. man, I could take it easy. We're gonna do all right. Very true. We're gonna do okay. But over yeah, here at at the least you would have spot. both. I would also say um, about private as well. So <laughs> if you are double planting double and growing sword crops to it for sure, and um, then the other thing as I'll a result say, of your hard sure farming, is, now you um, have ducks in there. I'm sure that that is satisfying on a whole different level. Yeah. That yeah. I that I can't understand. Wait, say say it all again. I think you cut out at the beginning yeah. of your sentence. On private, if you're planting your crops and tilling and choosing how and when to flood, and and if if yeah. your hard work then results in birds coming in, that's a kind of emotional satisfaction that us public hunters don't know. And I'm sure that that is extremely gratifying in a way that we don't get. Yeah, no, there's definitely ways to make it. And I never even thought of the crop thing. But I guess for me, the thing that's kind of appealing to it is having, you know, kind of a skin in the game um, where you're doing a lot of the work, whether it's, you know, no matter how that form is, you know, there is ways to achieve that on private land, the same as public. But, um, you know, I'm I'm still, I'm, I just want to make it clear, I'm not knocking private land at all. Like I'm going on a private land hunt for opener here we're gonna bust them i'm super excited about it um but man when you it's, it's like you say the ultimate lows and the ultimate highs is the difference between public land and i do think there's a distinction like so if you hunt public but you also chase private fields to me that's all in one one genre versus like when we purchased that lease <coughs> that had one dedicated blind and you know i so i think there's even a different in the type of private we're talking as well yeah and there's i mean there's even different things about public because you're always trying to find public land that is less accessed by everybody else which gets closer to private right because um you're gonna have less people to deal with everybody wants that so there's kind of a happy medium that we all play to like we don't want it to be the same as opening day out on the public marsh every day that's insane you know it's awful um i hate i hate (laughs) openers so there is like there's give and takes to all of it and i mean we love every part of it so i don't love the um you don't or you do no i can't stand it how many how many people there are and how many how much (laughs) gunfire is constantly going off you can't work any birds it's just so awful yeah i can say i can see that just get joe joe one hunt a year in and out and i'm glad he's out of my life Shooting eighty-yard shots and yelling and screaming, and, ugh, and then he's gone for another year. Thank the Lord. <laughs> All right, Elliot just needs some some time to cool off. But uh, 
All right, so let's let's go ahead and talk about uh, my last snap for the weekend. Um, so day two up there, a southern zone opener weekend, and um, going out with Kevin again. And we go out to a big wa- bo- big body of water, um, and yeah, there was not a ton of action. We really didn't see a lot of birds. There was a lot of geese using the river that was next to this. We had a lot of geese flying over, um, but we didn't have – we had um, almost none of them work. I don't know why. They just flew off the roost, and they went out to feed, and then um, we stayed till noon, 1 o'clock, I believe, and really didn't have a lot come back in. And the ones that did went back to the roost. They didn't even come back. We're hoping they would come to the lake. And a lot of them actually were out in the middle of the lake. But we couldn't work any of them, really, to be honest. Um, we did have one group work in. It's pretty cool for the geese. The ones that worked in, they came straight overhead. And they flew past us um, about, I don't even know. It had to be close to 100 yards. And... Um, you know, I was able to call and turn them, and they worked right in, right over the set, um, cupped in, and I was able to shoot one out of that, out of that group. So we got a goose there, and then we had one group of wood ducks um, come in as we're setting up there, and um, I shot one out of that as well. But um, I need to <laughs> make sure I don't throw Kevin under the bus on that group. Um, definitely didn't shoot my lane. I took the first one that was in the front. He was to my left. They're coming right to left. So I shot his bird, <laughs> and his comment after that was like, I went to squeeze the per- the trigger, and the bird just uh, uh, folded in half right before he could shoot. So um, I just got excited, okay? Um, definitely shouldn't have shot that one. Should have picked out a different one, but, yeah, shot his bird. But, yeah, I don't know. It happens. It happens. <laughs> it happens. It happens for sure. So that was pretty much our hunt. There wasn't much to it. The, the goose that I did shoot, though, um, ended up being crippled as well and sent chief after it <laughs> and man um i mean he was just gone so we had to again we're on a bog we had to play like marsh warrior like running through this bog we're like jumping from plant to plant as i'm <laughs> trying to run through there like no joke and if you miss you just go waist deep into this bog and it's really hard to get back out of it and climb back on top so we're like i mean seriously it was like playing marsh warrior as we're just <laughs> jumping from plant to plant, plant on either side. I hate like bogs, and I've never even seen one. <laughs> they are they're hard to hunt. They seem terrible. We're literally like standing on plants because it's the only thing that can hold you because there's a lot of root, you know, roots under the plants. So, anyways, and we run to the boat and get in the boat. I mean, Chief went hundreds of yards chasing this goose, like out into the middle of the lake, and it was a big body water um, lake. It was just crazy. I couldn't believe it. Like, uh, I mean, I just couldn't believe it, man, how far he was willing to chase that goose uh, just swimming after it. So by the time we got there with the boat and out there to him, and so then we got up there and the goose dove and it came back up and it dove again and came back up and it dove again. And then we got by the bank. I actually picked Chief up in the boat with us and we see the goose again. He's by the bank, so it can't really dive too much. And I send Chief, you know, tell him, uh, Chief Hunt, go get it. And he jumps off the boat and goes, and the goose tries to dive, and he like he's in the water with it and, you know, doing a little bit of tussle and grabs it. And uh, I don't know, that stuff uh, trips my trigger. I can't. <laughs> I just love watching Chief um, fighting the birds, you know. Yeah. High drive, all that kind of stuff. Pretty cool. So that was pretty much the hunt on that. Um, 
you know, just got a couple birds. D- didn't get skunked, but, uh, you know, day two. Yeah, can't so, I mean, solid hunts. Both, you know, both those days are, you don't leave just feeling like you got, you know, you had terrible times. Yeah, and there's like literally like zero frustration on the second hunt too. So it was kind of like, I don't know. Kind of sometimes you just got to make sure you get your mind in the right right place and try not to get frust- frustrated by the little things. Um, but yeah, so we just had the two birds work in there, had fun, good conversation, shot some birds. And, you know, that's kind of what hunting is all about too. So, I mean, it is nice to get the bird, big bird number days, but. Um, you know, it was also fun just to chill and relax and have a couple of birds work in and and get them that way. Yep. Yeah, well, our seasons are rolling, aren't they? Yeah. So it's kind of weird because, like you're saying earlier, um, last year I hadn't hunted near as much, hadn't gotten near as many birds. I feel like I feel like season's been rolling for a long time, mm-hmm. and my opener is on Saturday. <laughs> God, it's awesome, man. You're gonna. You're going to end up with quite the year this year. Probably your best year ever, huh? By the time um, it's all said and done. Time will tell. I don't want to take anything for granted. <laughs> How many birds did you end up shooting last year? Like, it was in the 40s, right? No, it was more than that. Well, it's combined right now. You and I have 18 hunts, 50 harvested, um, 2.7 a hunt. I'm kind of dragging you down a little bit. Uh, 46.9% yeah, shooting percentage. You're kind of dragging us down a little bit. <laughs> we keep well, these stats at freelancehuntstats.com. You can combine you and a buddies or groups stats <laughs> together. And so it's, it's really fun to be able to look at your numbers on here. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you can't shoot them, you got to live vicariously through somebody else. I'm living through you right now. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm up no, to I'm 20. I, I closed the gap a little bit. I put, um, you know, ten down this this weekend. I I, yeah. I didn't mention I shot four on the hunt, but then I I uh, kayaked up this little channel that's a normal flight line and sat there with four decoys out. And uh, I've got I I'll send you the um, shot cam of it that I've got because this little group of fifteen came buzzing fast and they were on me so quickly and so close that I shot at one of the front birds and hit two birds like three yards behind the one I shot at. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So that was so my you're fifth one and for two on that. that was, yeah, it was one for two, and that was my fifth and sixth bird. Oh, I know what I forgot to tell you. I got to finish this. I'll make it real fast. I'll make it real fast. Okay. No problem. So I dropped one clean, and another one uh, of the two went off into the cattails and went down. I saw exactly where it went. So I, I went right to the spot, and I'm in about cattails up to my shoulders. And I look over, and on this one cat, cattail about chest high, I see a little blood spot. And I'm like, surely. <laughs> Surely that's not from this teal, right? And so then I looked down at an angle, and there was another blood spot on another cattail. And you could watch the blood, the blood trail, as the bird came down. And then right where it hit, there was teal, there was bird feathers. And I'm like, oh, it's totally, I'm now on a blood trail of a teal. And I got down on my hands and knees like a dog, right? And I was, I was just looking, trying to find some more thought I could might be able to trail this, this <laughs> teal. Like if I had had cheap, we'd have had him for sure. And I got down I was trying to see, I saw a few more feathers, one more blood spot. Right. And, and I'm in, I'm all by myself and I'm in this big cattail. I, I can, it's a really, you know, you get that low to the ground you feel like you're really in it. And I didn't find him. So I lost my first one of the year, <laughs> but blood trailing a teal is a first for me. It was <laughs> nice. 
But next time I need no, to not cool. flock shoot and actually pick one out. I knew when I pulled the trigger, I'd kind of flock shoot. They were uh, they were packed so tight together. Never works. Well, it's not like I <laughs> consciously did it. I just knew when I pulled the trigger, that's kind of what I... Because when you get yeah. enough birds, it's just hard to pick one out, you know? Uh-huh. But I actually had it on one um, on the... On the um, kill cam or shot cam video i've got it on one it's just that's not either of the ones that i killed nice <laughs> so anyway nice. that was interesting enough to point out so but that kind of reminds me so i want to <laughs> you, you you talked about having chief for that and um i never mentioned the mallard i shot on my day one hunt and so chief was a freaking stud on that retrieve so um shot it and it landed behind us in the cattails and so sent him over there canoed over there sent him in it and all i hear is like just massive flapping like i couldn't believe how much flapping i heard and i'm like is there a goose in there that chief got a hold of like <laughs> that's what i thought and because when i sent him he's like 30 yards in front of me went in this opening and cut into there but he was he was right on the, the bird and i didn't even realize it um when he went in there but you know it's amazing what dogs and noses can smell. It's just—it's yeah. literally amazing. Chief has an above-average um, nose, I think, from what I've seen. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. I've had multiple people say that he is a tracking machine, mm-hmm. and um, he comes in there, and so he's tearing through the brush. I, all I hear is this flapping. I thought Chief already had it, and I thought <laughs> it was like so much flapping. I'm like, maybe this is a goose. Um, <laughs> but anyways, this duck comes out right in front of me, mallard bright green head i mean everything that makes you happy about duck hunting and um and it's it's still pretty well alive it comes shooting out in front of me at 10 yards and i'm just standing there like a buffoon i don't have my gun in my hand it's not loaded like i'm not i I didn't expect that at all and so like oh crap i grab my gun as fast as i can try to find some shells and uh, <laughs> and here comes Chief right behind it, and he's just trucking right behind us, and this bird's running, and I didn't have any of this on film, which kind of stinks because oh, it was one of the coolest hunts ever, yeah, uh, or chases ever. And he and he and the bird goes into this pile of brush, probably about four feet wide, and it's like a little miniature bo- bog out there. And Chief goes back into it after him, and it comes out the other side and pops out and does a circle. And Chief comes back through the brush and's chasing it. And um, now it's like about 15 yards in front of him. Cause every time it goes through brush like that, chief struggles to get through it. And the bird kind of just weaves in and out and comes out the other side. And I, like, while this is all happening, I'm watching and I can't find my shells. Like, I don't know where I put them. Um, (laughs) and anyways, I find one on the bottom of the canoe. Um, later I realized that my whole slot on my uh, waders was full of shells and I could have just grabbed shells from there, but, uh, (laughs) Uh, but I found one on the floor of the canoe, got the one shell loaded in my gun. So I take aim at this bird. That's just, I mean, and it's just scooting across the water. So take aim pop. And like the water in front of it just explodes. And I miss, (laughs) I just, I missed the mallard (laughs) on the cleanup shot and chiefs just, you know, you can see him like when they hop through the, the muck is just hopping after it like crazy. And it gets over to another section of brush and chief finally grabs it right after that. So I thought when I pulled the trigger and missed that we were going to lose that green head. And that green head was like the icing on the cake of that hunt. Cause like, I don't know, like I don't want to sound like I'm a mallard pierce, but like the more I hunt, the more I'm like, that's what does it for me, man. I love they're awesome. green heads. Yeah. They're awesome. And yeah. We've not taken so. a mallard drake yet this year. So yeah, yeah. I was thinking, remember the time that that coot kicked your ass? 
<laughs> yeah. Drew blood on you. <laughs> yep. Yep. Don't try to grab Coots uh, by the hand. It doesn't work out. <laughs> oh, good times. Yeah. So, I think that about wraps it up. Um, plans for this next weekend? Youth hunt up here um, in my area. I'm going to take uh, Elijah, a.k.a. One Shot Wheezy. We're going to go scout it Friday. And it's the place I've been telling you about that I'm so excited about. So um, this cold front coming awesome. in, I'm, I'm pumped about it. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Sweet. Good luck to you guys on that. Hope you guys crush them. Yep. I, I hope so too. So we got our local opener. Um, we usually have pretty good options for it. And we do this year as well. So it's just about picking out what we're going to do. And hopefully everything plays into, into uh how the birds are acting right now opening day it's like it feels like uh, a lot of times everything can change because you have people busting roosts and all that kind of stuff you think you have them patterned and they'll be patterned perfect until people roll in on the roost at 4 a.m and then everything's screwed up so um we've had that happen to us multiple times but um we'll see i think uh high hopes for sure for our opener so all righty folks i think that's all we got for this week any last words elliot Nope. Nothing. Alrighty, fellas. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Another week. And good luck to everybody else jumping in on their openers. Um, duck season's in full swing. So thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm Jordan, Duck and Chronicles. Elliot from Freelance Ducking, and we'll see you guys on the next one.